This is one of those readings that I think can make a priest shake in his boots a little bit. Uh, it can certainly, I think, make us a little uncomfortable with these words, you know, call no one on earth your father. Well, what gives? We call priests father all the time. Well, there are actually, in the New Testament, over 140 uses of the word father that don't refer to God the Father himself. A little fun fact. Uh, Nevertheless, though, this is a passage that is very frequently brought up by other Christians of other faiths as an objection to the priesthood and as an objection to the Catholic Church. Again, even not denying the fact that there are over 140 times where the word Father refers to someone other than God the Father in the New Testament alone. But I think this reading certainly is interesting with its timing, given that this past Tuesday was the 500th anniversary of the beginning of the Reformation, when Martin Luther began his objections to the church. And in some circles of the church, this was very oddly celebrated. Uh, Some places it was at least commemorated. But I think, if anything, these events should at least call us to reflection on the wounds to the unity of the body of Christ that have happened over the centuries. But I dare say I think these readings today give us a better path forward than especially those early revolutionaries of Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin, or at least better than how they handled various crises in the church. I think these readings today give us a much better way forward than the path that those men took. So let's dive into them a little bit. This first reading from the prophet Malachi was written in a very difficult time in the history of the people of Israel. It was after the Babylonian exile. They had come back to Jerusalem, but their priests and their leaders were providing a very bad example. They were leading a lot of people astray, and as a result, the devotion of the people was waning. It was a very, very bad time, and so God sent the prophet Malachi, who was also a priest, to try to help get everyone back on the straight and narrow, to get everyone back on the right path. So Malachi is a book written for priests, about priests, and by priests to remind priests of their responsibility, of the high calling that they had received from God and how really they weren't being the greatest of leaders. And so they needed to reform their ways. And so again, through the prophet Malachi, God gives his people the prophets to maybe challenge them to remind them that they are called to be obedient, but also that they are not to follow the example of, the bad example rather, of those who were trying to lead them at the time. Obedience and fidelity to what they have been taught by such great prophets as Moses, Elijah, and Ezekiel. So we can maybe even fast forward to Jesus' time and see that things hadn't really changed. We had the Pharisees who were running the show, and they were putting large burdens on people's backs and not practicing what they preached. They were not being a very good example. And so Christ gives his instructions to his disciples by telling them this, do and observe all things whatsoever they tell you. This is referring to the Pharisees. Seems a little odd. Why would Christ tell people to obey the Pharisees? Well, he alludes to it earlier in in this passage. He says they have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Christ is recognizing the authority of the Pharisees. It is legitimate authority. That chair of Moses was established by God. And the Pharisees were, I guess, maybe the rightful heirs of that. Even if they were not providing a good example, their authority was legitimate. 
And so the people were called, at the very least, to obey them. However, their example was not good. So they were not called to follow their example. Christ never would have pushed for revolution against a structure and a system that was established by God. He would never have done that. He would have always called the people to fidelity, to obedience, but fidelity to tradition, to the good voices of the prophets of old who had reformed the ways of the kingdom of Israel. And he was essentially telling them to do the same thing that the prophets had done before. Be obedient, be united, but don't follow their example. Be faithful to tradition, and that will ultimately reform the ways of the people. And I think ultimately that's where folks like Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin fell short. Because let's be honest, there were plenty of bad examples in their day too. There were buying and selling of indulgences. That's bad. That should not have happened. There were plenty of bad examples in their time. But ultimately, those problems were fixed by the Council of Trent. But, they ne- but those early revolutionaries never came back. So Martin Luther's biggest complaint, if you will, was about the buying and selling of indulgences, which again was fixed in the Council of Trent. But ultimately, he turned his objection to the buying and selling of indulgences to an objection against indulgences in general, the authority of the church, and the priesthood itself. He threw out the baby with the bathwater a little bit. The problem was fixed, but it didn't appease Luther. And really, he could have been a lot better off if he would have looked to Christ for the solution, as we saw in our gospel today. To be obedient, yes, but to not follow the example of those bad leaders. The solution is not revolution. The solution is obedience and fidelity to tradition. There were also many other genuine reformers at the time of the Reformation. People who didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. People like St. Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, who both of them combined essentially reformed the entire Carmelite order. There was St. Philip Neri, St. Paul III, and St. Charles Borromeo. Each of these people experienced far worse scandals and situations than even Luther himself experienced too. But ultimately, they were obedient, They were faithful to tradition, and because of that, they actually got things done. And they're canonized and revered as saints because of it. They didn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. They brought about real change because of obedience and fidelity. So we can learn from their example when the leaders of our church or priests might not necessarily be living up to their calling or might not be providing a very good example. Now, certainly it might pain us, it might scandalize us at times, But ultimately, we are called to obedience and fidelity to tradition. That is the way to not only reform the example of those who are providing a bad one, but also to keep the church united and to keep her faithful. And I think even today, this plays into our situation too, because it can be very difficult sometimes to understand the latest statement from somebody claiming to speak for Rome or various people who can say things that might confuse us, give us mixed messages, or can sometimes seem to contradict centuries of church tradition, especially when it comes to the indissolubility of marriage. We have a lot of bishops and pop theologians out there uh, calling people who defend the indissolubility of marriage as rigid. Well, we must look to Christ. We have to obey legitimate authority, certainly, 
But we are not called to follow the example of those who seek to undermine the church's teachings. We cannot follow these modern-day Pharisees any more than the Pharisees of Christ's time or the bad priests of Malachi's time. We must remain faithful to tradition and be obedient. We are not called to be revolutionaries like Luther, but we're called to be saints like Teresa of Avila, like John of the Cross, Philip Neri, Paul III, and Charles Borromeo. Because, brothers and sisters, ultimately that is the way forward for us. Because that's the way that Christ would want for us. Christ would never have preached revolution or wanted us to rebel against something that God himself had created, whether it's the seed of Moses or the Holy Church of God. But he also did not want us to follow the bad examples of Pharisees. And we can't fall into that either. We have to take the middle approach the approach of faith, and ultimately the approach of Christ. So brothers and sisters, today let's pray for our leaders, that they can be good examples for us. And pray that we ourselves can be obedient to their authority, but also can discern the truth in a world of confusion and remain faithful to tradition. Let us never turn aside from Christ, never turn aside from the church, for through them we follow the path of salvation.